the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Hello and a very Christmassy welcome, dear listeners of the Consumer Podcast. You are listening to episode 55, 55 episodes in total that we've done here on this podcast. Of course, as always, I'm your host, Bill Wirtz. On this very last episode of 2021, we are December 23rd, just before Christmas Eve, just before Christmas Day, and it's really good to have you back. Um, you know that the episodes have been a bit different in the last few weeks. This one will be no exception, unfortunately, um, because, well, it's the end of the year and, uh, you know, it's been all over the place. Uh, there's a lot of travel, a lot of end of the year work. Uh, I've been sick quite a bit. Um, no COVID, though. Uh, and, uh, of course, we'll be talking about COVID in this episode. But first off, right off the bat, I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all of those who have been subscribing on the different podcasting platforms. Thank you uh, to those who have been giving us good ratings and to those donations that have been coming in to support this podcast. Much, uh, much uh, appreciated on my end uh, for all the work that, have been put, that we've been putting into, uh, into this podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know, most of this is not scripted. This is just me behind a microphone uh, in whatever location I am at this moment. Uh, currently, I'm in Luxembourg, um, of course, spending time with the family, getting ready for those uh, uh, gifts and food and uh, all the kitschy commercial Christmas songs. I hope you're enjoying the same thing. Um, this, of course, at the beginning of the episode is uh, is not as usual, uh, Billy Joel. It's actually, of course, Frank Sinatra um, uh, playing us in here. Uh, I wanted to just briefly look back on this year. As you know, we started the podcast at the end of 2020, so we just had a couple of episodes there, and we really got going uh, this year. It's been an incredible year, a lot of guests. Uh, let me just take you through a few of the topics that we've been through. We had a lot of great guests talking about everything from Brexit to Turkey and its inflation situation, which unfortunately is getting worse. We talked about geo-blocking of streaming services. We had the great Ryan Hill. Keith of Politico talking us, uh, talking to us about EU-US trade. We talked about e-scooters with a representative from Bird. That's the e-scooter company. Uh, we looked at the war on plastics, protests in Bulgaria, referendums in Switzerland, the European cannabis market. We had uh, an episode about that, the rule of law in Georgia and the situation in Belarus. Uh, my colleague Yao, who, by the way, also guest-hosted Consumer once in uh, uh, in 2021, uh, he also ranted about rental car companies and how uh, well rigid that market really is. We also had Chris Snowden from the IEA talk us through the nanny state index, and we talked beer, cryptocurrencies, taxes, and so much more. In 2021, we hosted our first joint program with our friends at Consumer Choice Radio, David Clement, and, of course, Jalosowski. And we had Fabio Fernandez co-host more regularly for the full half hour. Consumer Podcast is now also hosted on platforms supporting podcasting 2.0, meaning you can donate to us uh, in cryptocurrency directly via those podcasting apps that are eligible. It's been a great year. 
Um, uh, unfortunately, COVID-19 is still with us and it seems to be getting worse. I'm not sure if you've noticed it, especially those listeners in Europe, specifically the listeners in Europe will know. Uh, the Netherlands, country in which I spend uh, some time, um, is uh, unfortunately uh, locked down. Doesn't mean you can't leave the house, but... Uh, but you uh but you can't really go anywhere there's only the the grocery stores that are open until i believe like 8 p.m and all the non-essential shops unfortunately have to be closed i heard today apparently craft beer shops will continue to be allowed to be open because they're considered essential which i very much agree with um but i'll have to see once i get uh, uh back to the netherlands um other than that um we're talking mandatory vaccinations uh, in Austria. It's already on its way, I think, starting February. Germany is having the conversation. A lot more countries. Uh, France is starting the conversation on that as well. That's going to lead to a lot of legal cases, I think, uh, constitutional law cases where we will be deciding on whether the power of the state needs to be able to reach all that way. Uh, decisions that will definitely impact consumers. Um, more travel restrictions. Um, actually, uh, some countries are reintroducing the obligation to do a, a PCR or anti-gen test before entering the country, even if you are vaccinated and or uh, boosted. Um, so uh, that is something I actually uh, took the time this week to discuss with my colleague Luca Bertoletti, who is based in Italy. So we had a brief chat and uh, here's the audio of that. All right, Luca. So Omicron is doing its rounds around Europe and it's had some effect on policies. Uh, I know that, uh, was it like a week ago or two weeks ago, I think Italy reintroduced testing requirements for entry into the country. That includes uh, people who are already vaccinated. So first of all, your thoughts on the situation and, and what led to this decision in Italy? Well, the situation in Italy is really uh, concerning because not really for the amount of cases that we have. I mean, looking at what used to be in the past and what is now, obviously we don't have the same amount of cases. Uh, it was much worse in 2020. Also during Christmas 2020, it was much worse. So actually vaccine worked. Um, but it's for the policy that our government is actually doing. So uh, they approved this new legislation uh, for texting on December I think 12, if I'm not mistaken, to enter in place on December 13, so the day after. Because actually on, December, on the, that day, the, current, the previous regulation was expiring. Just they forgot about it. And obviously we knew that something should have happened. In the same day, they renew the state of emergency, uh, actually going against the constitution. So it will be actually very interesting to see what is going to happen in the parliament in January, because... Italy, Italian constitution allows state of emergency just for two years in a row. And that's actually two years in a row that we have because we, apl we applied it in December 2019 when obviously COVID was starting uh, in China and you know you needed to actually mobilize. It didn't work out very well at the beginning, but after he did this course, and now we decided to have it until March 2022, which is against the constitution. So the parliament must approve it, which is very dangerous path for everything related to democracy, human rights. I mean, I don't see why we need to have a state of emergency still. It's not that we have 500 
people dying for day for minerals like at the beginning we are actually having quite a lot of people dying still yes that's true we have around 100 people dying but still we have to think about what will be in the future i mean now you use the state of emergency for a real emergency but you know you can always use it differently and if you look at what happened in italy we, we approved this pcr test or antigen test for european travelers what happened is that all of the idea of Schengen area being this inclusive area where people can travel without any problem and can actually <clears throat> be part of, uh, if they are vaccinated, they can travel, they can come back to what it used to be before COVID disappeared. So Italy started, uh, Austria went next, Netherlands went into lockdown, and there is no European reaction to this, which is terrible because I can, if I, you allow me for a few minutes more, I explain why this is actually bad. Because looking at Netherlands, I mean, you live in Netherlands now, you can actually go to Belgium and dine in Belgium, do shopping in Belgium. And obviously Belgium will say, okay, now all of the people in Netherlands that according to the Dutch government uh, have COVID or, or might be uh, positive but they don't know are coming to us so we need to implement new restrictions so are we gonna go into lockdown we don't know or maybe we are gonna implement a test at the entrance or one day test before like us did so basically what italy started is a slippery slope idea of we completely destroy the unification of europe that we actually talk about and we decide to go fully for our own. And then we say it at that point, say, okay, if the most influential person in Europe, as the economist said, which is Mr. Draghi, uh, did it, why we should not do the same? And that is what is happening. I also think there's a question of fairness to be asked here, because a lot of uh, EU member states have gotten rid of the uh, free of charge testing regimes. And now traveling will once again cost money, especially to those people who have made the decision to get vaccinated and who were under the impression that now this was something that, you know, now travel was open again and there would not be extra cost imposed on them. And now that the free testing has stopped, it will once again be an extra charge, especially now when uh, when the tests are rare in supply. And so a lot of people will have to spend a lot of money. I know that the prices here at the airport just for an antigen test are again 80 euros, which I find quite steep for somebody just trying to visit the family around Christmas time. And we have a lot, you know, I'm, I'm currently in Luxembourg, but we have a lot of uh, Italians who, you know, would like to, to go back to Italy for the for the Christmas time. So I think there's also a question of fairness to be asked here. No, I, I totally agree. And the, think about people that uh, come back and forth from Switzerland, uh, which is actually the biggest, uh, uh, let's say, export market for uh, Italians of the neighboring regions. So it's not France, it's not Slovenia, it's not uh, Austria, it's actually Switzerland. So there are around 250,000 Italians every week entering Switzerland to go work. And these people technically every day have to do a test to come back to Italy. Now, it's technically impossible to do it. it. Nobody will believe it. So not only you destroy the European integration and the full idea of Green Pass and vaccine passport, but you actually destroy also the same idea of testing. Because at that point, obviously you don't have a capacity and you will never have a capacity to have so many people test every day. So at that point, uh, people will start to fake test 
where we start to actually don't care about tests, where we start to do other routes of buy text on the black market, when it was much easier actually say, okay, maybe you need to have three doses of vaccine to come to Italy. I mean, we can debate about it, but at least you have, you know that the third dose you eventually have to do because it's where Europe is going. So maybe it will actually run to do the third dose to come to Italy. So, but no, we decided to actually destroy completely the system. And the idea of fairness, I mean, I don't know in uh, Luxembourg, but in Italy, an antigen test except in some region cost almost 100 euro, an antigen, to don't talk about PCR. 24-hour PCR in my region uh, can be uh, uh, 180 euro uh, in, for a result in Italian. So if you need a result in English, for example, to enter right now in Austria, because obviously they don't recognize Italian as a language, it will be over 200 euros. Now, I don't know how many people or how many company can actually pay for the employees to actually have the test done. Mm-hmm. I have one more question to you, uh, Luca, and, and that is your impression as to why the reaction is in this way. I, is this related to the fact that Italy very early in the pandemic was so hardly hit by it that the politicians are now under the impression that they need to do something strict to show that the situation is not getting out of hand? Uh, yes and no. I mean, the part that was more, more hit during the entire pandemic was the northern part of Italy, which right now has more than 90% of the vaccine uh, population vaccinated. Uh, Lombardia, which is the most, was the most hit region for a lot of time, so Milan region, is around 96%. So the 4% between people that cannot be vaccinated for obvious reasons and people who do not want to vaccinate is really nothing. And the problem is really that our healthcare system in mainly central and southern Italy is not able to uh, compensate to, and the amount of vaccinated people is really low. So why politicians are so strict is that yeah, okay, maybe we have a new wave. Right now we have a new wave in Lombardia, but we are still less than 5% of the ICU's bed occupied. The same happened this summer, which was summer in Sicily, and we have more than 10% of the uh, ICU's bed already occupied. So there is a, we did not learn from 2020, and instead of improving, I mean, because we have a, a federal kind of federal system, it's very complicated and we don't have time now to explain our healthcare system. We have a kind of federal healthcare system. The risk is that if the virus arrives as violent as it's arriving to the north, in the south, we will have the same scene that we saw in March and April 2020, just in the south of Italy. So that's why we are reacting like this, which is a terrible way to react because we should actually learn from the mistake from the past. So that was my colleague, Luca Bertoletti. Uh, he's the European Affairs Manager at the Consumer Choice Center. I think we uh, brought up some interesting points there. Other points that have been in the news uh, lately on the entire COVID issue um, is uh, donated vaccines. Uh, donations of vaccines from Europe work through the uh, COVAX system. Um, and there's been a new report by Politico, which I find very interesting, that shows that 250 million doses of coronavirus vaccine uh, to low and middle income countries um, seem to be uh, slipping out of reach. That's what Politico is saying. Um, only 66% of those 
doses have actually reached their destination. So Politico, it's a very lengthy article. They go through the, the reasons why this is. Um, and the short answer is uh, bureaucracy. Uh, so there's liability questions when it comes to vaccinations that need to be handled because even if you make a donation, you're still sort of responsible towards the uh, the questions of liability. And you, you're dealing with like the legal systems of so many different countries, some of which uh, have, uh, well, very uh, intransparent legal system as to how they apply to vaccinations. And then also, like by the time all of the paperwork is filled out. Uh, it, it happens that some countries um, just see the arriving doses being expired. So the expiration date is, uh, is, 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 is running the clock on the efficacy of bureaucracy. And that seems to be a big issue on top of the uh, shipping problems. We have entire supply chain problems that uh, uh, will continue to go on, unfortunately, that have been an issue around the Christmas time now, but also will continue throughout. Because, uh, well, as Omicron, the Omicron variant of COVID-19 is spreading, uh, apparently less uh, uh, less dangerous uh, compared to the Delta variant, it unfortunately affects more people, which means that on supply chain levels, more people uh, will be missing as they are quarantined. That, of course, has a, bis- has a big effect on, uh, on how many workers are available to ship things all around uh, the continents. Uh, so that is a big issue. Interesting a piece there by Politico. And let me just give you the headline. Tens of millions of Europe's donated vaccines haven't arrived. Who's to blame? Very interesting read there. Uh, I think that's going to ask some questions as to like how can we uh, streamline those processes in the future? Because if the money is spent to actually give donations uh, to, to developing nations, at least the, the donations should arrive. Otherwise, what are we all doing this for? Um a beacon of hope, very slim one, though. I'm not a big fan of the World Health Organization. And the World Health Organization, uh, one of their officials, came out recently and said uh, the, he, he thinks that there might be an end to the pandemic in 2022. Um, but, of course, that necessitates a, a certain level of vaccinations, which, uh, well, is not, is not quite certain if we're going to reach, not necessarily because of vaccine hesitancy in, in the developed world, but more about the accessibility of those vaccines um, in, uh, in, in developing nations. So that, that's definitely going to be a big issue. And I, find, I think, unfortunately, we're going to have more of these restrictions, uh, many of which that haven't worked. I know that my country, Luxembourg, is now reimposing the curfews, the very inefficient and uh, unfair curfews. I think now starting, I think, next week from 11 p.m., people are not allowed to leave the house. Uh, I think uh, that is ridiculous and, and does nothing to improve the sanitary situation of uh, of the country. But I don't want to leave you on too, um, uh, too pessimistic of a note. Um, I want to thank all the people who have been listening this podcast, who have been supporting this podcast, who continue to download the podcast and listen to it wherever they are. If you're in the car right now, if you are exercising right now, I know I know uh, some people are doing that. Um, I, I, I really thank you for supporting us, for, for being there, um, for listening to me, taking you through the issues. Uh, so many issues I've presented 
on many of them I've given you my own take on it I hope you've appreciated that uh, you can always reach out to me if you have tips for more issues or speakers and on uh, uh, bill at consumerchoicecenter.org uh, if you want to support us you can go on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate everything is appreciated I'll see you in 2022 we'll be back on January 13 after this break I hope to see you then and uh, yeah well Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. You have to learn to pace yourself. Pressure. You're just like everybody else. Pressure. You've only.